This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. All right, great to have you here on this Wednesday. Of course, it is that time in the week and in the show when we meet up with our friends over at Black Locks Reporter because they dig up all the juicy little nuggets that uh, don't get a lot of attention, but they should because they matter. Tom Korski, managing editor of Black Locks Reporter, does a lot of the digging. He joins us now. Hello, Tom. Hi, Alex. All right, so we've got these Freedom Convoys coming across the country. They're going to arrive in your neck of the woods in a couple of days on Saturday the 29th. And, um, you know, it's very difficult to get a sense of what kind of, um, you know, precautions are being put into place or any kind of security. I mean, you you know that on the 2019 uh, United We Roll protest, oh. um, you know, they had all sorts of security measures in place. And um, there was fear, apparently, over what would happen when protesters arrived. So they got the security. What, what are they going to be putting in place for this one? They don't want to talk about it, as you can imagine. But in 2019, we saw through after the fact access to information memos. I mean, they wet their pants, Alex. They mm-hmm. were clearing rooftops. They had uh, contractors batten down all construction material, 10-minute updates. They were exchanging staff emails in the Privy Council office saying, my goodness, these people might say they want to kidnap Trudeau or arrest Trudeau. I, I mean, and afterwards, the then head of the Federal Public Service, Michael Warnick, testified two days later in Commons Committee that he feared assassination. I mean, the whole place just went to pieces because because some truck drivers came to town opposed to oil and gas regulations. So I can just imagine the the foaming and the (laughs) hair. Oh, yes. Oh, they'd be they'd they'd be punching their heads through drywall. Oh, Oh, heavens. I'm sure Michael Warnick is in the fetal position somewhere. I mean, he, I mean, heads must be exploding. But you know, hey, I mean, the, I mean, maybe the smart thing would be to maybe just kind of calm, just come out and say, everyone, just take a breath, just chill out, just a little bit. Maybe not weaponize this issue, but I guess we'll see. They're gonna, we'll find out one day what they were doing. Um, I, I, I thought of you as I watched the Bank of Canada coming out today to talk about uh, whether or not they'll bump up interest rates, and I wondered, did Tom get a question today? Yeah, I did. I did not. Uh, <laughs> did you even get on the call? There was a Groundhog Day quality because once again, mm. Governor Macklem blew his inflation forecast. He had said close to about five percent only last October. And when you look at their tables, they're now looking at over 5% inflation as a peak this year, 5.1%. They, uh, Governor Macklem is absolutely consistent in blowing every inflation forecast that he has issued since the outbreak of the pandemic. They're not good at this, but they're aware that it's really hot when you start to look at some of the 19% average price increases on some grocery items, they understand why people are getting upset. Yeah, and it's interesting because Philip Cross, I know, um, testified at the Finance Committee. I've had him on this show talking about the fact that he felt that inflation was closer to 6%. I've also talked to the Bank of Canada, or the, uh, several banks on Bay Street, who have argued that, you know, StatsCan does not, um, it doesn't analyze things like used car sales, which are a major indicator of where, uh, you know, inflation is sitting. And so they actually say, look, it's probably closer to 6 And so the announcements we're getting today are not reflective of what many feel is the actual um, true inflationary price. Uh, but again, I, no one asked. 
it's it's not. But but isn't the point also? Isn't it also the case for cabinet, let alone the Bank of Canada? Talk about between a rock and a hard place, and they and they put themselves in this position. You know, when Governor Macklem says in a breezy way, of course we're going to have to raise interest rates. But by the way, he didn't do it today, and you know why? You start raising interest rates to anything yeah. resembling commercial rates, truck drivers protesting vaccine mandates is going to be the least of your problems, because there are millions and millions of people who have had to overextend themselves and the banks lent them the money. So if you want to start jacking up rates to raise war on inflation, you know exactly what's going to happen. I mean, that's a government killer. You go back even historically, my goodness, for anyone who's over the age of 45, boy, oh boy, if you want to get driven out of town on a rail, start jacking up uh, interest rates at a time when householders are the most indebted than they've mm-hmm. been in Canadian history. Right. But um, the other side of this is Jean-Francois Perrault, who is the chief economist with Scotiabank, also testified at this committee, committee and he said there's no question deficit uh, spending contributed to the inflation. And it may be, a, and his point was, it may be a global thing, but it's the countries that blew the biggest wad of cash that are having the hardest time with this. Um, and so the bottom line is we, we aren't getting a lot of clarity in this. And so you, you start to wonder, OK, well, they didn't raise interest rates, which would help ease inflation. The, is politics being played here? I mean, the Bank of Canada is supposed to be a separate entity. It's not supposed to be political. But, you know, some of the decision making, is it political? Oh, sure. And they know what side of the street they're on. You know, this is sort of element that somehow these guys are, you know, Swedish robots who work in a stainless steel lab. I mean, that's baloney. They, they take the phone calls. Everyone knows that. Uh, that testimony from the Scotiabank uh, chief economist you mentioned in Commons Finance Committee absolutely was obvious, but that's how political it is. Of course you can't spend borrow and spend half a trillion dollars in a period of 20 months for the first time ever in the history of our federation and it has no impact on inflation and prices of course it does there's a business here i don't know why cabinet is doing this it does it doesn't work where, where where they say you know inflation is not our problem we don't have the solution boy if you think it's bad here you should see in florida that's not going to help you my friends when no. chicken is going up 19% yeah, it's uh, at the end of the day, people don't care about the politics. They care if they can put food on the table, gas in their car and live. Um, can't not talk about this story. So the Commissioner of Elections Canada confirms that uh, Calgary MP George Shahal is the first member of the 44th Parliament to be censured um, for breaching the Elections Act. And why? Well, because he was videotaped on a doorbell uh, video feed stealing a rival candidate's mailbox literature. And he's been fined a whole 500 bucks. But something tells me, Tom, he will fail upwards. Well, you, he didn't make cabinet, though, and he, he didn't even make cabinet chair or parliamentary <laughs> secretary. Now, if you're a liberal elected in Calgary, one of the most conservative cities historically for the last 50 years, you think that'd be worth a promotion. I think the embarrassing door cam video hurt, George. But that's something to put on your resume. I was the first member of the 44th <laughs> Parliament to be busted for breaking the Elections Act. Top of the world, Ma. Look out, world. Yeah. Here I come. Yeah. Well, there's nothing stop. There's nothing stopping him from from moving upwards because we've seen it time and again. This slap on the wrist for for rule breakers, which you know, by the way, if this were a conservative, people would be lighting their hair on fire. But nonetheless, you know, they'll let this cool off and then he'll, you know, uh, he'll fail upwards because they need more prominence in Alberta. 
<laughs> it, it, it may happen. I mean, multiple ethics <laughs> breaches never hurt Bill Marno. It was lying in committee that hurt Bill Marno. <laughs> that was, and, and then, of course, afterwards, the the ethics commissioner's reports were very damning on Bill. And the supposition was he he was economical with the truth. Oh no, 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 yeah, no ethics violations per se are. And Marno was busted under the Elections Act, by the way, misusing his office as Minister of Finance to try to elect a liberal in Oakville. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no, did did him no harm. No, and he. And whip out his checkbook and make everything go away. Um, I got to mention this one. So the Department of Natural Resources. So they're going to contract tree experts now to fulfill this multi-billion dollar tree planting promise that, by the way, so the, the Liberals promised 2 billion trees in 2019. This is going to cost upwards of $5.94 billion over the next. That's a lot of money. I love, I love this. I love this program. It's like it was designed by someone who's never been to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> well, they'll probably hire someone from outside Canada for the job. Like, right. we, we, the, like uh, by official estimate, we have almost a billion acres of trees. Billion with a B. <laughs> yeah. uh, the Yale School of Forestry counts. Uh, they counted the trees in Canada. They came up with over three hundred billion trees. Mm-hmm. No problem. If we gave everyone a chainsaw and said it will be our mission as a people to cut down every tree, in a thousand years we couldn't cut down all the trees. This was an old Kathy McKenna when she was Environment Minister, Kathy McKenna election pledge. It was going to be great. It was going to create a lot of pandemic jobs. It didn't either. And they still haven't turned a wheel on it, but they are going to create two jobs, and that's two. You can't Great make work if you can get it. Well, you you can, people. and they do. They, they they had the Ministry of Middle Class, after all. I mean, where's that ministry gone? Boy, oh boy, that was a short-lived one. They're hiring. They're hiring two consultants to to decide how to plant all those trees. Oh, by the way, a lot of people didn't know this. The uh, forestry companies that cut trees plant more trees like that, just under statutory regulatory authority, anyway. So it's, yeah. it's, it's irony rich. There's the ground, here's a hole, there's the seed. Plant it. Okay, nonetheless, Tom, always appreciate your time. Thanks so much. <laughs> My pleasure, Alex. Thank you. There you go, Tom Korski. He is the managing editor over at Black Lock Supporter. It is uh, subscription-based and, of course, worth the money because you'll always get a chuckle. you got to laugh when you read it, otherwise you'll cry. Here, I'm Alex Pearson. This is On Point.